you know, I almost forgot to hit the go live broad the broadcast uh, button again, but I didn't. Yeah, but that's all right. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. Uh, welcome to episode twenty-eight of Lawfully Chaotic, uh, with my extra special, awesome co-host Jason Baldrick of TTRPG Academy and Sharon Smith, Barry Bot. Um, tonight we're going to talk about uh, well, long campaigns, and we'll also talk about what a long campaign is in, in everybody's opinion and how that uh, can facilitate uh, both player and character growth uh, over time. Um, but before we do that, let's uh, anybody having any announcements, Sharon, you got any announcements? Yeah. Um, no, it's been a long week. Not. <laughs> However, I do have something to share with you guys that I saw that was really, really, really cool. Cool. So what me, is it? I will drop it in the Discord. You have so. this awesome prismatic aura around you. It's like, <laughs> a, it's like you have her, a shield spell or mage armor cast or something. That's it's her awesome. godlike structure. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, oh wait, I oh, am wait. hopelessly addicted to Mid Journey. Uh, I'll talk about that later. But oh my god, some of the things that you can make with it. My yeah. my my budget for thumbnail art and other things have improved tremendously, courtesy of this thing. All so right, I'm just too, to I'm too small of a creator to be able to afford twenty four seven creator art. You know what I mean? Like if I reach out for design or something like that, sure. But I just I don't know. I, well, we'll I, talk. I, let's talk about that. Uh, well, you know, yeah. what? artwork and the artwork community. I think that'd be another good episode sure. that we could talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go, go all ahead, right sharon Barry. what do you have what do you have to share with this? okay okay drum roll please share it with the rest of the lovely viewers oh and listeners. my god hold <laughs> on hold on this Let is me... amazing i tried to search for the Oops. creator of this awesome thing I can't find him. Chat, if you know who made this awesome piece of landscape monstrosity, please let us know. Uh, hang on. I'm, I'm working on it here. Hold. 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 The wait, Hold. The wait is worth it. <laughs> the wait is, yeah, the wait is worth it. So, That's oh my so gosh. Cool. This is freaking crazy. All right. So, I apologize, guys. Hold on. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. We need a production person. There it is. That is freaking. That's freaking unbelievable. Look at this, guys. This is a moving giant zombie. Dungeon. Oh my God. Look, look how tiny the minis are That's compared. Cool. Uh, that is fucking that cool. How did that search come up? My friend sent it to me, and I tried to do a backwards image search. Image search. Image search, image search for it, and I couldn't find who created this magnificent monstrosity. It looks so cool. Oh my God. Maybe gosh. it was a custom. I'm not sure. That's awesome. I'm going to look and see if I could find that. STL like, somewhere. It totally oh, gives me like Shadow of the Colossus vibes is what I'm yeah. getting from it. It's That's so freaking... Cool. Also, it's got a little bit of like a, a Baba Yaga walking hut. With buildings... 
Dude. Holy cow, that's awesome. Zombie building giant thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, very cool. We're going to have to find the source of that. Yeah, and, we got to uh, figure out who made that because oh, that's... Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jason, do you have any... Do you have any <laughs> show and tell? Ooh, new segment. Uh, Jace, hey. do you got any... Uh, you uh, you got any announcements from from you? Oh, I'm hopefully going to be working on table number ten of my pay to play oh. catalog. Oh. Um, it's actually going to be an homage to the Keep on the Borderland. I'm gonna do a homebrew nice. version of the Keep on the Borderland and kind of do a very kind of. I was thinking of doing a low fantasy backdrop. Um, without the high fantasy expectation and kind of delve into the low fantasy medieval politic of, you know, monarchs and stuff like that and create this very kind of super enriched kind of scheming plot where you think you know what the answers are and every time there's an arc, it completely shocks you know the whole plot line. So I've been. I love. On that. I love that stuff. Twists and turns, and yeah. and, and schemes within schemes. I love doing. And that. and I promise, uh, I'm still working on my universal compendium. It's just I'm my own worst critic. Every time I think I have a finished draft, I yeah, sit there and look at it, and I do it again. I <laughs> been there, that. done that. I yeah, been there, done so that. Hard, but but yeah. other than that, um. If you head on cool. over to the TTRPG Academy Discord and you just want to hang out and shoot the shit and talk about games, you can always come on over there. We're almost up to 400 people on the Discord. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, we're getting Good there. news. Uh, I have an announcement. Uh, you do? I expect later tonight at 9 o'clock, uh, 7 your time, boom. My Hell's Bells t-shirt design is up on the Crit nice. Roll that, that was the It looks gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Nice. It's been a long time coming, but... Uh, Bells Hells. That's Bells awesome. Bells Hells, yeah. So it is in the Crit Roll uh, shop. Uh, you can check I it out. I love what you did with the... Is that gold or bronze? It's like a... It, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a it's not a metallic ink but it's supposed to be like a you know a patinaed uh gold or or brass yeah. kind it of color really looks awesome on um, that blue but it's really it's very awesome. it's re whoops it's really cool because um there are there's a bunch of little elements there's a um bertrand bell's sword up here um <laughs> there like up up at the top underneath the uh Right there. Oh, I see it. Um, there are some other little elements. A I lot of orums. Yep, the moons. Uh, orums tattoo work. Uh, so it's it's. Uh, How fun. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, it's very cool uh, working with them to get this one done. So yeah, very excited. That's awesome. Now um, I have to go buy this shirt along with the, <laughs> the Scanlan one that I want to get still. Uh, oh the yeah yeah the uh the concert one that one was fun yeah. too that was yeah that was hey Torchseer, thank you for joining us um uh yeah the scanlan one was a lot of fun that was that was a reboot of an earlier shirt that they did uh so no the idea what yeah the idea wasn't mine but the design was but that was awesome because oh. it was just like oh, okay metallica type uh 
type look here. So, um, yeah. So check that out. Um, otherwise, uh, that's all I got. So, uh, should we jump Sharon? What do we, uh, you want to jump us into our topic, uh, uh -huh. tonight? So today we're going to be talking about both player and character growth in D and D. We're going to be talking about the dynamic characteristics when it comes to creating your character and also some changes that happen to yourself while playing the game, along with supporting the uh, dynamics of the group, as well as role-playing and how important it is for a campaign. And basically, we got to make sure that all players at the table are working together cohesively to make it a long-lasting and memorable campaign. And, you know, it's okay to have short campaigns, too. They could be just as memorable. So we're going to dive into that topic too tonight. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, the, um, the the short campaign also. Um, it le Let me start out by asking, what do you guys... I have my idea of what a long campaign is. What do you guys feel a long campaign is? Because I think a lot of people... Obviously, people are very familiar with, with uh, one-shots, but I think, um, you know, people have now seen Critical Role and a campaign that can go on for two years um, yeah. and end with a, a level 20 character, um, which in my, in my uh, history with the game was not the case. We, when I was growing up playing... Uh, we would have campaigns that would last uh, a year, but it's funny because I have a character now, uh, a warlock, that is level 19. That is the highest level character I've ever had. I've never had a level 20 character. And be below that, my next closest was level 15. And then a lot of like 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, when, when, when I have played... Um, we've had long campaigns, but not necessarily campaigns that ended, quote-unquote, if you will, with level 20, and now the story is over uh, type of thing. Um, mm. So when I think long campaign, I think two years-ish and, you know, 18, level 18, 19, 20, uh, something like that. Um, I'm interested to hear your take. We talked about this a little bit earlier, and it was kind of a little bit... Yeah, uh, enlightening. So it really was because with Critical Role, it kind of gave me like a skewed mindset of how long campaigns are. Like I immediately assumed that, like, oh, you finish D and D when you're at level twenty, <laughs> and and you know it's it's supposed to last for years. That that's the you know epitome of a long campaign, and then. What's interesting, too, is that when they did the one-shot, they spread it into, like, multiple se sessions. And usually with a one-shot, I would think, oh, it's a one-and-done deal in the afternoon or something. So it's kind of interesting how, like, the time frames for campaigns can just vary very mm -hmm. drastically. And, like, to be honest, Jason, I, like... <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, when I'm going to jump into this campaign, I'm going to be at level 20. I'm going to be a god in this campaign. <laughs> I was like, yes, let's rule the world. But no. Um. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I actually find that my favorite, um, my favorite levels to play are generally like 7 through 11 or 12. I kind of find that after that, 
you start getting so powerful and depending on your on your class and subclass there are so many mechanics i did it again the other the other week last week uh playing my warlock where i completely i went through two-thirds of the session and forgot that i had two attacks around because one of my invocations like a major fucking mechanic and and i just was like shit i've been rolling one attack every round like god damn it um so i don't know i kind of feel um that's just me personally um i i was never i mean i you know everybody loves leveling up i love leveling up but there's a point at which it's for me less about chasing the levels and more about now really getting immersed in the story Right. Um, I think when we were kids, the reason I've never had super high level characters is because, you know, hour long campaigns, somebody, either the GM would get bored or we would get bored of our characters or, I mean, it was so common for us to be like, oh, let's make new characters where, you know, we just want to play new characters. Okay. Um, really? Yeah. Because again, back, you know, back, back then the old man voice <laughs> again, but, but back then, there was no such thing as remote play. So it was like you had your group of people and you got together every X number of weeks or whatever to play. So it wasn't like, I'm going to play this campaign, but I want to try another character. So I'm going to find some other people. So I think that has changed also. And I think people can now, you know, a lot of people play in multiple games. Um, so I think that um, kind of puts that uh, on its ear a little bit too, but. Well, I think the earliest form of the remote game was correspondence by play that they did in the um, yeah. late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. They'd play through the mail, um, which the reason why I wanted to mention that is Barry was talking about developing your dynamic characteristics related to... Um, like... So the first two bullet points had me thinking, right? Um, enhance your playing experience by making your character personally invested in what's going on and consider creating a character that goes along with the theme of the campaign. Um, this kind of boil plates into the zero session. And the zero session is also where you could set the expectation for the length of the campaign, where you can get a feel for everybody's like idea of how long they think the campaign might go. Mm -hmm. Um what I think is interesting is the longest campaign I've ever played was maybe about five years. Um, my favorite style of campaign is one shots or maybe like five or six session series, depending on, you know, the theme that you're trying to get at. Um, and the reason why I kind of feel like the shorter campaigns are better is that I feel like it gives players the opportunity to finally play other things that maybe they don't, they would normally not play. Um, and therefore to Barry's point, you know, every time you play a new type of character, you have to think creatively about that character. So if you can imagine in a two year time, somebody playing five different types of characters, I mean, that's really good practice, I think for creative thinking and getting involved with tables and trying to figure out, you know how they fit in to the table vibe um unfortunately yeah, i think I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons that that we like i said it wasn't necessarily boredom it was just again we had our one group and at a certain point everybody was like well i want to try something else so we just stopped and created something else right right but it could it could be just because you're not as invested in that character like it doesn't strike like a personal interest 
within you to maybe want to keep playing that character? Oh yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely fair to say. There have been characters character that I have been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've I've had that happen after one session with certain characters. Really? Yeah. Um, I've finished recently. I finished four campaigns of tier four, so they were on average between sixteen and level nineteen. Mm -hmm. um, Tuesday night looks like they're going to hit level twenty. Um. I would say Grain Land. You guys are what? What level are you now, Cher? 13? 12? Ooh, I think we're in level 13. Yeah, I think so too. Lucky 13. Uh, Age of Empire, I think, is 15 or 16. Um, Waterdeep Adventures, I think they're level 12 or 13. Maybe they're level 13 as well. So um, I think there's this fear about campaigns sometimes that go too long? Am I letting them level too fast? Are they leveling fast enough? Um, how do I control the adaptation of the arc as they get more powerful? Um, mm -hmm. So I think one of the can things about campaign length is kind of rooted in the complexity of the arc that you're playing. Um, yeah, that uh, that always makes me yeah. sad. That's, that's always hey, something... Um, that's always something to always keep in mind um, when you've got a campaign going, you know, you've got to pick up on some of those adaptive skills, make mm -hmm. changes and make alterations as the characters age. Um, it, there is a risk of a campaign going too long and there's always that risk that a campaign goes too short. Um, let me, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, this is, I guess this is somewhat related since we're talking about character and player development. Mm. What is your guys take on the whole like upper tier four level you know player power versus what a dm could do to kind of balance that and still have that feeling of you know i could actually die um and or do you feel when i played world of warcraft i i enjoyed leveling um, and I found that the end game, uh, content, you know, after you reached whatever the level cap was for, for whatever, um, uh, release they had, I lost interest really, really fast once I hit that cap and was doing end game content. And I, it's, it's weird because I, I, I kind of feel the same way with D&D, like, okay, you hit level 20, so now, to your point, Sharon, like, the campaign is done. You finished this, and we have to go create more um, characters and start over. So what, what's your guys' take on that? I'm going to let Cher go first, because I have an actual beta take that plays every Monday night, and I want to talk to that point. So okay. what are your thoughts, Cher? Well, I mean, it all depends on scaling with the dm really because if you're at level 20 like well scaling and basically arcing for the story to make it interesting for higher level players because if if you're like super op like of course you're just gonna get bored and tired and nothing's gonna challenge you anymore but if you introduce like another arc or a new big bad then that scales with their power level then it becomes more interesting because you know they could deal more damage and it's more serious. And plus, you know, they're more invested in that character at that point too, because they're like, Oh, you know, I worked so hard on this character. I don't want him to die. Would you, would you 
when you hit level 20, if you hit level tw- if you were to hit level 20, would you want to continue playing or would you feel like okay, there's no more leveling up, so kind of what's the point? Well, it depends on where the story can take the character, really. Like what if we fight the gods mm. themselves or something or like mm-hmm. You know, what if we become a deity and like, or, or, or we become like power hungry or something and we decide to do like a conquest? Yeah, sorry. That I like. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, like maybe like ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if your character becomes like a power tripper and then these heroes come after you instead and you become the big bad? I want to play in one of your campaigns. You need to DM a campaign. That's longevity, baby. <laughs> uh, Jace, what? Okay, what's your what's your take on that? Um, so we are actually, um, yeah. See, uh, I, I actually agree with Fungin Quest that, uh, like I said, e- even at like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, it it starts to get ridiculous. Yeah, le- levels don't mean anything to me. I could build anything to challenge you every time. Yeah, um, that's why our Monday night game we don't level. We don't have levels. Um, we don't have, uh, predisposed character classes. Um, we don't have predisposed hit point values that you would expect to roll. Uh, basically each player wrote a story of what they wanted to be. And then every time we have a milestone, they write their own skill or they decide if they're a little bit stronger or a little bit smarter. Um, I went back to spell memorization. So, um, Spells are a little bit more challenging from the fantasy perspective. Mm. Um, and, I, and I'm and i turning the Monday game into a pure narrative game. Wow, um, that's use, really interesting. We use 5e core, right? There's a 5e core, like I use it like GURPS. Um, right. I use it as a way to help manage um, the points of the mechanics that are required to resolve certain interactions within the narration. But this hang-up with... You know, I'm level nine, but I'm planning for level 15. That's the least yeah. of your concerns. You barely understand your character as it is now, and yeah. you're worried about level 15. Number one, I'm not a fan of that. I think it slows players' creativity down. I think it uh, boxes them in uh, to a preconceived notion of what they're trying to be. Totally um, agree. And, and I think halfway through their thought process, suddenly they have to delve into multi-classing because they're realizing their limitations are too much because what they're dis- discovering in, in the game is I'm a terrifying DM. I'm terrifying. I homebrew everything. There's nothing that you're going to be able to predict. About the only thing you're going to be able to predict is I might leave the session at the at a cliffhanger just because it just so happens to make it easy from a time timing perspective, right? But the reality is... I've got so many players worried about their level and what they want to become. Yeah. They're not doing enough to decide what they are. Yeah. And so the creativity is nerfed. They're hung up on things that don't matter to me. And they think they do matter to me, which is where that well, throughput and that support aspect of Sharon's notes really come in because I was floored by what you wrote, Cher, supporting the group. I think that's the most important aspect of this game. Support. I can't stress it enough. I can't focus it as the beacon of hope enough. That is both the group of the player characters, the players themselves, 
and then the relationship with the narrator. You know, those three things are what defines the opportunity to have a really good campaign. Yeah, and, and real, I think you potentially have... a really long campaign too. Yeah, I think f- that's that's a that's a very good point. Um, I think you have to have some pretty. I don't want to say advanced players, but I think you have to have some a special kind of player to be able to handle that. And you bring up a really good point about character growth. And I think it also plays into player growth of being able to make this leap and stop mm-hmm. that. Okay, what am I going to do at level 12? What am I going to do at level 15? Um, and, uh, and realize that as the story changes, even though like, you know, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I'm, you know, my, I'm, I'm being groomed for medical school and this and that. And, you know, at, <laughs> level, totally at, like that. Right? And at level five, you're like, you know what? Fuck medical school. Uh, I want to be a rogue instead and completely don't jinx it <laughs> and completely change tack, even though I think it has to do with with, you know, we've talked about the two basic types of players, which are min max type mechanic players and narrative players. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you're a min-max type player. Um, I'm a narrative player. I don't give a shit about min-max stuff. I told you, I like to try to find mm-hmm. the, the the most cockamamie, uh, um, you know, dichotomy of class and race that I can and see if I can make it work. I mean, obviously, I don't want to nerf myself so bad that it's no fun to play, but I think it's a challenge to try to do that. Um so I think that, like I said, it brings up an interesting point, which is in that support of the group and the narrative of making that decision to say, you know what, level 13 or 15 or, or 16 through 20 doesn't really matter that much. I'm going to completely keep what I have, but completely change tack and, you know, and, and multi-class into something else, but not again with even with multi-class a lot of people approach it from the standpoint of okay i'm gonna dip one level into this just so i could have this and this to support my main character but maybe making the decision to instead say okay i'm gonna multi-class into something that is completely narrative driven and is gonna fuck me mechanics wise but it's gonna be a lot of fun to play so i think that's an interesting aspect of that player and character growth a lot of people would think of that as growth from level one to twenty but right, you know, right. I, I like I really like what you said, Jason, about supporting the narrative and supporting the party. You know, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, Cher, when you were developing Mira from beginning to where you are now, talk about the different points that you began to shape her characteristics. Like, how was she becoming? Because what you start. How you started is not how you are now. No. And talk about that journey. Person too. But yeah, talk about that journey a little bit. I definitely want to hear about the second part because that's that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. So with Mira, I created her as sort of sort of as like a love letter. My character's Keen's decision to start multiclassing into sorcerer was for character-driven reasons, not mechanics. Ooh, yes. And I love all the stuff that she could do. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so with Mayra, the whole idea behind her was it was sort of like a love letter to hope 
And I wanted that character to kind of uh, personify that. And like with her in the campaign, it was very kind of naive to start with a character that's based on hope in a sense, because I thought D&D was like, you know, la la la, you know, <laughs> it, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be easy. You know, <laughs> we're just going to be prancing in meadows. It's okay. But, um, but you know, prancing in reminds, yeah. reminds the image that I get in my head for some reason is Cloud Cuckoo Land from the Lego movie. <laughs> I just completely stole that image in Mara's mind, prancing through the meadows. You know, in like, and this is like my first character, so of course I'm gonna create someone who has that same kind of mindset as well. But I still had that goal in mind of having her being a symbol of hope um, for the campaign because like I knew she was going to come across adversity. And when she did there, there were certain changes that like I noticed about her that was like, you know what? Maybe it's not all black and white with her. There's, there's a lot of gray in there too. Like she's, <laughs> she, it's weird. It's weird that characters change. Like, I expected her to be just, like, this super cheerful and very positive person, which she is. But, like, she's also kind of very, like, very cautious now. And she tries to think through decisions as best as she can and is very paranoid <laughs> now. <laughs> but she still has that goal that, you know, can do attitude of like, I am going to fight against all odds and I hope for the best for, for what, for my people and for my future and for the people that I'm with. She's going to keep on focusing on that, but there are just like little things that are thrown at her that kind of like, you know, she wavers a bit, but she's still staying on course with that. And mm -hmm. it, that's so interesting. I, you know, I can tell just by, just by you talking about it, I can tell how passionate you are about this character and I love it. I just love that. I can tell how invested you are and that, that, uh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, yeah. <laughs> He is terrifying. Don't kill us. No. <laughs> um. uh, just the ASMR clarification moment. Unconscious is not deaf. She's just sleeping, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> She's taking a little rest while blood slowly coagulates underneath her wounds. A, a really long rest. <laughs> As the chalk outline starts to appear. <laughs> I think I told you guys, I had one, you know, this is a little, little bit of a tangent, but I had one uh, character death. It was a character that, it was a player that wanted to change characters, but we didn't want to just, you know, write him out completely. Um, so we, uh, we killed him and one of my homebrew magic items can suck somebody's soul. It's a sword and some, it can suck somebody's soul into the sword. It's a sentient, uh, artifact. So Ooh. he gets sucked into the sword. So that leaves, there's always ways to kill somebody and leave the door open. You know, that's what's that's great so about cool. it. Yeah, that's what's I great love about that. it. I mean, Jesus, that's the, that's the modus operandi of every comic book ever written. It's like, oh, when is that person coming back after they just died? <laughs> yeah, it's fun to have the what if in a campaign. That's what makes it so mm -hmm. interesting yeah. and engaging. Yeah. And then, well, like... Well, and I think really quick, Mara, 
when we, or Mira, see, I fall right to it. <laughs> Chair, like, so being aware of your own arc is a really important thing. Um, your backstory provided me with so much creative capability based on the way you developed your backstory and the way we were able to discuss with each other in the background of the game with clarification um, points um, and all the other things that were helping your backstory evolve. Like I go back to my notes when Mira was introduced to the group. You're right. You were a naive druid working, um, you know, working for um, Kiofi. Uh, you're out at the um, uh, at the ruins trying to do some work and archive some notes and do some research for her. And then suddenly you're, you know, part of a group on an airship trying to prevent the world from coming to an end as the nine seals of the different nine <laughs> betrayer gods are slowly being used. You know, and- I know I saw that. That's good. Yeah, Gary, so Gary brings up a good point. I had this character I liked so much, and he died more than once. And I was like, oh, it's his cousin, you know, Vigo Valenos the third. Yeah, it is I. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little bit of shit for that. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> yeah, and it's so crazy. It was such a very quiet beginning and then it started to just snowball to now where it's like oh now she's in these great battles and oh now she she has to make a safe haven for her people to come back to and like she has to make sure that it's safe for everyone her people to come back even and this is not even including including like you know the material plane for it to be safe she wants that to be safe too but now like the burden of her people weighs upon her like it's an honorable burden and she knows that but it's crazy <laughs> that's why she's so, so basically the out, moral <laughs> the basically the moral is that you're not really into this character right oh yeah no mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> um so how so how have you so if you've explained how the character has grown over 13 levels how have you grown? You said you changed also. And that's just 13 levels. Um, and me as a person, like, first time jumping into D&D, having to have this awesome character that, that I fell in love with, like, like, <laughs> I wanted to connect with this character too. So, like, there are certain parts of me obviously i don't know if you can tell uh that are (laughs) but even like her backstory is closely connected to me too because i wanted to make sure that like i have this close connection with this character i want this person to be real to me in a sense Mm -hmm. and um you know i was a very shy person coming into DD, sweaty palms you know the whole nine yards and i wasn't very good social wise but now I'm doing talk shows and I'm doing a live stream D&D show and like I'm being very loud and creative with my thoughts and opinions on things. And that's because of D&D and that's because of great storytelling and a great group. You know, yeah. you know, if it if it wasn't only 36 minutes in, I would say we should just end with that I, and probably I just close out it. the show. For I good. can stretch it. Because <laughs> if there was if there was ever a better synopsis of 
what the game does for people, I, I've never heard one. So bravo. Well, I, I, I do have an answer to your question, though, Cher, on your notes. What? The question. <clears throat> Problem solving in D&D requires each person to rely on one another. Each person contributes by evaluating and coming up with a creative solution to the situation. Has the creative problem solving of D&D helped you in the real world? I have a player in my Tuesday night game, uh, Saloon's Gift. Um, his character's name is Vonrin. And he posted this week, this week or last week, that during a meeting at work, he rolled a 20. Uh, he rolled a D20 to decide an outcome. <laughs> and then was promptly fired. <laughs> I hope not. The tickets ain't raise. free. <laughs> Wait, wait, I swear I have a luck. I have the lucky feet. Hold on. <laughs> or when you That's say awesome. to a hair or when you find out that a Harrigan in your in your group on Wednesday night has the lucky feet, but they're Harrigan. So <gasps> they what they do is they rub their own rabbit's foot whenever they use I the was lucky feet. That's awesome. But to the to the supporting <laughs> aspect of everything we were just kind of talking about, oh the, the value that Sharon has gotten out of her character from within the group and within her personal yeah. life, and this just this kind of holistic conversation about the affirmations that people feel about the supportive nature of the game as a whole, um, you know, that is my greatest affirmation as a professional DM is that everyone feels safe enough to be that creative. Yeah. That's you know, because there's a lot of, really I, I, I hate using that word a lot. I got to get rid of it. There are stories that can, that get consumed from time to time about how, you know, unsafe tables can be. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes those stories represent the 1% of the population, mm -hmm. you know, um, but it can be read by 99% of the eyeballs. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a misinterpretation, but I do know that, providing a safe environment is the best way you can support the group. And Absolutely. When, when they feel safe, they become more creative. They become more out, you know, outgoing and more confident, you know, more invested in their arc and in their character. Um, you know, so, and that's what helps, you know, professional DMs like me that need that, in, that inspiration and that kind of positive affirmation to keep me going. It, it makes a difference. Um, yeah. How? Uh, go ahead, and then I have a question. Go ahead, Sharon. Torch says our group has made me feel safe enough to risk being vulnerable. Same, and I'm so happy we can provide that environment. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's so bananas that that you grow with the character. It's. It's like magic in a way. Like I I honestly didn't expect that. And but I'm happy it did. That's a, yeah. Yeah. And, I'm not going to screw it up with some kind of cockamamie response to that. Well, no. Like I said it. <laughs> no, I mean it's that's that that kind of affirmation is just it's it's wonderful to hear. It really is. And that's why people keep on jumping back in to play the exactly. games even after it's, their campaigns yeah. are done. Yeah, and that's you're right. No two games are are even close to being the same, and that's and the beauty still of the game. Growing, yeah. Um, store, character arc. Do you guys 
Uh, I think this is something else that that maybe has changed as as the game has matured, as DMs have matured, and stories have matured. Um, when we were kids, there really was not, you know, it was here's the background of my character, and I'm going to play to that story, and it's all mm -hmm. on the table. Um, I happen to really like, uh, you know, when I started watching Critical Role, I happen to really like the the prospect of you and the DM know what each character's arc is and background and motivation. But I feel that it's really awesome when the rest of the table doesn't necessarily know that, you know, take uh, not, for example, you know, when we found out, Oh, she's actually a halfling that was turned into a goblin and she's got a completely different backstory. I mean, that was like, you know, yeah. and that's just one example. Um, so I really like, uh, I really like that aspect of kind of keeping that hidden, which kind of makes sense, especially since I think it's fair to say that a lot of character groups, you know, it, it's like, oh, you all meet in a tavern. Okay. You didn't know each other before. So why would you know everything about that person? You wouldn't. Right. Um, and I think that can be interesting in, um, uh, evolving that story arc that you thought was going to go in one direction, but maybe goes in another or takes some branches. Yeah, no. And that's, what's interesting too. Like I literally had like kind of like a one track mind with Mayra. I wasn't really mm -hmm. sure where she was going to go, but with the, you know, with the help of like a DM who can see the whole, the big picture of the story and every little detail you know, you guys can work together to create like a very great story and a great arc. And it's like, I'm going to keep on gushing about D and D and fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so easy to fall into it. It's like a black hole. <laughs> well, it's because it's a cult and it, you know, and it involves Satan worship, you know? Oh and, man. Um... I left my robe at the laundry. <laughs> but speaking of, here's a complete tangent. <laughs> have you ordered your hellfire club t-shirt yet? Cause I have to do that. I've been wanting to do that. Do I have yeah, to order it off of Netflix? It's coming on Amazon. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> no, I just I just bought a, a plain black t-shirt and with white ink wrote Hellfire Club on it. <laughs> just write with Sharpie. And I use the same font. I use the same font as Jason. the cow that says eat more chicken. You know, horribly spelled and just crayon format. <laughs> I love how Jason just simplifies and boils everything down. I don't need to buy a t-shirt. Fucking white yeah, paint marker. <laughs> I, I, I go to places like Deal Busters to do my t-shirt shopping. Yeah. Dollar Thursdays, you can get somebody else's unfortunate size order. Uh, you find some <laughs> of the coolest fucking t-shirts that way. Wow. People come up with some of the most creative things. And I just, I, all I do is rifle through the t-shirts or I look for electronics. I mean, there's like today I found t-shirts for my kids. I, I bought 10, no, eight t-shirts for eight bucks. Like, Where hey, is this? Down. It's Today's called Deal Busters. Sponsored it's, by. It, yeah, I yeah. know, right? Sponsored uh, by Chaotic, sponsored by what, Deal Busters. What's getting really popular lately <laughs> is that people that order pallets and pallets of rejected Amazon goods, they then open them all and put them out for sale. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's for, Melissa, it's for Melissa's donation. Yeah. Are you heading out? No. Oh. Oh. 
Hi. She Luna. is. A, she's a lunatic. Don't mind her. She's completely <laughs> insane. Hey, Calista. <laughs> no, and what uh, what we did this year is we went to Deal Busters and we bought. Well, Calista bought fifty dollars worth of school supplies to oh, donate nice. to. Uh, one of our friends slash co-workers who works here at the shop. She's our one of our receptionists. Uh-huh. Um, and teachers don't get enough help, not even from their own districts. So she's yeah. a newer teacher. Mm-hmm. This is her first year as a real full-time, her own yeah. classroom. So I'm like 13 or 14 students. And oh, you know, she's fully, she's fully invested. And, um, you know, so we're like, hey, yeah, why not? We'll go over to Deal Busters. And we found crayons and gifts for the treasure chest and composite paper and filler paper and pens and dryer you know, awesome. stuff that, you know, the stuff that retail wise, she knows she's not going to get much help. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we had an opportunity to head on over there and see what we could find for us. So that's this is a whole episode today. tonight of like good feelings and no animosity. What but the hell is going on kind of the point of, <laughs> But that, that's what happens when you're in a supportive and creative environment, right? If you're super creative with your character, Yes, and your group is super supportive. These are the vibes that kind of express out of that reality. Uh, mm-hmm. But but more to your idea of the arc and getting into role playing. Back to that question, which I have a hard time remembering what you said, Brian. What was the question? My question. You asked, yeah, you asked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Quick, Wait, Brian, what? what did you say? <laughs> I, I need a tangent cam my, my, when I do that. Tangent cam. Yeah, right. It's just like blurring um, horns. Tangents. No, my, my question was um, uh, <laughs> in creating a new character with a backstory and a motivation, do you put it all out on the table and everybody at the table knows that? Or do you hold something back and use that? Uh, do you hold something back from the rest of the 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 characters at the table and players for that matter um, mm-hmm. and use that as a way to evolve your own story and reveal it as you go or allow it to change uh, as you go. A la, you know what a couple of characters did um, with unknown backgrounds uh, right. in critical like with, role. with, uh, with not the goblin, yeah. not the brave. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. Share. What do you think when you're in development mirror? Did that play, play into it? You know, I'm tempted to spill the beans about everything, but I think it's good to be discreet with your character mm-hmm. and your story because then, you know, when that event happens later in the game, there's a, you know, it's a new switch. There's a new different pace in the game now. It's like, oh, this happened? Oh, you're this? You're that? Your skin is actually blue? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's fun to have little surprises in the game. I mean, yeah, it's fun I, to be transparent because then people can be, I guess, more invested and maybe want to ask more questions about why you are mm-hmm. the way you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, it can go hand in hand. But yeah, I think, I think it. I think it does help to keep the. Cam- it can help keep the campaign fresh because beyond, again, speaking beyond just oh, I'm leveling up. You know, oh, I actually want to do this for other reasons to find out about my fellow players, and that back to Jason's point of supporting the party you know when those when those revelations um come to light that may affect other people's character paths you know to to support that story so i i also agree i think i think once i started to realize that you know that that could be a major uh narrative tool um i really like the idea of 
you know, the DM working with each player on that background and not necessarily, you know, spilling all that um, to the other to the other players uh, right away. What are your thoughts, Jason? Well, I have I currently have. 50, 55 players is how many players I currently have. Of the 55 players, I'd say half have wrote extensive backstories and a quarter of those are heavily invested in their backstory to the point where they understand how it commingles with the arc. Some use the backstory generator that D&D Beyond offers for your character so it can kind of create something for you in case you just don't feel like you can do it. Which, oh yeah, there's there's little you know in the character sheet there's ways you can pick certain things about yourself that kind of creates a backstory for you um i think i i think a lot of people are a little terrified of the burden of a backstory um and that could be a a a cohabited um cohabited burden between you know is the you know is the the dm gonna let me do this do i have to keep track of it can i just be the typical orphan whose orphanage burnt down and I'm trying to chase the person that burned it down. The person that burned it down is the one that wants to secretly hire us to, you know, to find the dragon. The dragon is actually a polymorph person. Who's the person that hired us to, you know, track themselves down as a evil plot to get access to a relic that he's not allowed to touch. And they get access to the relic and then the world, you know, is destroyed, you know? So it's, you know, I, I can get the back. I understand the backstory burden. It's not easy. Um, yeah. But without it, there's certain points of inspiration that fall away. Um, and I think those backstories and those arcs and all that are really, really kind of important. Um, important enough, I think, that it creates opportunity to trigger empathy between the mm. players. Mm-hmm. Um, and without yeah, that absolutely. empathy, uh, you can't play this game. If, right. if you come to the table being antagonistic and you versus everyone else, you're going you're, you're gonna to have a miserable time. It's not going to be a fun time for you. It's not what the game is about. Um, you know, when the, the narrative conversations about PvP, PvE, and, you know, us players versus the DM who's trying to actively kill us, that's less than 1% of the 99% of the eyeballs that are out mm-hmm. there reading. In reality, most people are family, friends, or strangers just sitting down and practicing the different things that are required to become a long or short, short-term campaign, depending on how that t- table's formed. You yeah. Know? So out of all my players, I use almost 90% of their backstories to tie into the arc. Each of their arcs may potentially close out. I've got one particular player that, you know, um, I know he's not watching right now, so I can say it. Um, he is running a character that he didn't realize has been touched with the fated curse. And the fated curse is that the only way he can ever know true peace is if he actually completes what the fate has inspired his existence for. So as he moves through the world, certain major points that occur, he physically becomes something else each time. Um, and it, it, and it, it affects his memory of how he got there. But the group is aware of him and it's like just moving through this mm-hmm. dynamic workspace and this dynamic world that is constantly changing and ever interacting with his arc as his arc keeps going and going and going. So it's been a real fun one. I wrote this curse up a while ago and I've always wanted to play it out. So luckily I had the opportunity to. 
and you know practice makes perfect which perfect doesn't exist as long as you're practicing that means you're playing mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm curious hmm. since there's so much improvement and development as a person and as a player one question remains does your math get better I can't For speak me, to this because really. I'm really good at simple math. So I could add, I could add up fireball damage in like three seconds. So well, before but we I, answer, I, that, I actually, uh, this is a really good question, and I have a couple answers for it, and I'd like everybody else's feedback because this is a quintessential question when it comes to playing the game, because I think sometimes this can add some really fun flavor to a game. If it's handled in an adult manner, and if it's handled with the consent of the of the group that it's an, a, an available tactic that could come out to play, I think you could do a lot of preparatory conversation to make this work very well. Um, Wait, what what are we talking about? To make what work? As long as the backstory this this pop up I just had up. Oh yeah, Gary's. Oh, I thought you were yeah. responding to to the math question. No, no, that's a waste of time. Yeah, he, he's just... <laughs> that's a waste of time. He's just blindsiding it. Yeah, it's live, Jason. I literally, I literally have players <laughs> that will go, hey, storyteller, what's 18 plus 3? Oi. 21. Hey, storyteller, I don't want to dis plus 4? 39. I don't want to disparage so. anybody, but I, seriously, when people sit there and adding up, the, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. So the the vernacular here is interesting. Like the idea of someone of nefarious character within the party that may have altruistic or alternative ideas to what they're trying to accomplish within both the arc and the backstory. And I think the most the most recent and greatest example of it being done very, very well is Archon the Cruel. I think if you look at the way Archon the Cruel participated in the game. And how over time Joe has developed that character, that to me is a very classy way um, of, of really presenting that that as an opportunity for the for the group to get involved. Sure, it may have a somewhat negative outcome because of that player's success, but it doesn't destroy the campaign. It doesn't so you know, once again, it's that balance of you know, talk about it in, in a vague way, make sure people are aware it's possible. But, you know, don't make it so that they're constantly fighting each other over something that's very minor. Um, so, you know, PvP within a party and make it an all-evil party and everybody just kicks each other's ass because somehow they think that's fun. That's for other tables. But I do that's like just the way... A that's that, just another version of murder hoboing. Yeah. and <laughs> But one of the things that impressed me, impressed me so much about Archon the Cruel was the way that developed. I thought that mm -hmm. was a very anti-hero development that made a lot of sense to me and it didn't hurt mm -hmm. but it really presented challenges mm -hmm. which yeah. i love I, I think that can be a really as gary said if it's handled well and and determined beforehand and thought out i think it could be a really really interesting story tool and player and character development tool um right i agree you know um I think I think I mentioned this way early on, but I actually had a player. So I had uh, one of my paid games. I have I have a it was a group of strangers, except for two guys who are brothers, but group of all strangers. And we've been playing now for about two years, same group. And one of the guys had to leave 
And for a long time, I asked them, um, do you guys want to replace them? And they were like, no, let's let's not. I was like, okay. Hmm. Eventually, there was somebody that reached out who really wanted to play. And I discussed it with the players. I'm like, it's up to you guys if you want to add somebody to the table. And it was just, it was not a great fit, unfortunately. Um, but there was this, this uh, inter- in the story... Um, this player made the decision to confront another player, another character, I should say. Um, and actually, you know, it came to a little bit of physical uh, confrontation, which no. again, which I'm okay with physical confrontation in, b- between the within characters. The the well, yeah. Within the not game. Not like punching. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm all for <laughs> that. If somebody wants to beat the shit out of each other at the table, I'm like, go for it. Um, <laughs> No, DM and, becomes referee. <laughs> yeah. And luckily the other player was adept enough to handle it very well. <clears throat> However, it was really interesting because it spilled over out of the character into the player himself. And he got mm. really worked up, not in character. Um, and unfortunately we had to kick him out, out of the group because it was really fucking uncomfortable as shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, anytime you and it could have it could have actually been really cool, but he just wasn't at that level. So I, I think it is, you know, it is fraught with peril anytime you introduce that. But again, I think um, a familiar uh, an adept enough DM and a familiar enough group of players who are invested enough in role playing. I think it can be a really cool um uh, narrative uh, tool. Um, well, once again, we can go back to zero session and help mm-hmm. establish those rules, parameters, yeah. and yeah. set those expectations to kind of yes. nurture that kind of creativity. Um, yeah. The number one question I get on my meetup um, questions mm-hmm. when people want to meet up, um, or you know, when they're hey, you have a seat open, I'm ready to start. What do you want me to do? And they're almost their number one question every time, every time is, are we restricted on our characters? Every time are we restricted on our characters? And it really makes mm-hmm. me wonder what conversations are going on out there that those seem to be the most common questions that I'm asked. Restricted, restricted in what way? Well, you can well, only run certain lineages. You can't do feats. You can't do this. Oh, okay. So uh, mechanics wise. Well, I mean, I don't really differentiate. I think any kind of restriction is dumb. I, I just think any restriction is dumb. I, 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 it, I understand well. your view, but I'm asking from those player, the people asking those questions, yeah. it sounds like the context is generally rules-based, mechanics-based. Well, but what, it's an what, open-ended what, question, so it's always hard for mm-hmm. me to kind of disseminate the analytic of their question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's designed from the narrative that a lot of there's that word again, that some uh, DMS uh, feel that five E is too OP on the character subclass. Mm -hmm. And therefore they've begun to tailor it. So it's not rather than solve the problems. Other ways they're asking players, no, you can't do that. Or no, you can't be a tiefling or no, you can't Mm -hmm. be this or no, you can't take that feat or you, I don't allow that feature or that subclass. Um, that 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 just saying all that exhausted me. Why would I want to yeah. limit that? That means yeah. I've got to keep track of it. 
Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, no, I, I agree. It's just it's just an interesting question that uh, it always seems to start with, and and I and I'll usually say, hey, you know, during our zero session, we'll talk about the character you want to build. Mm-hmm. But currently, yeah. no restrictions. Feel go for the fun factor, or for the OP, or for the min max, whatever you think is going to provide you with the most amount of fun and play style. And the response is, oh my god, that's amazing. When do we meet? You know, and mm-hmm. it's just once again, yeah. it feels affirming. But it also has me concerned sometimes about, you know, what's going on out there when it comes to this game, you know? Well, and I think, I think maybe that stems from DMs that, that don't want to (laughs) deal. Yeah. So I I was like, uh, there was one lineage. I was one of the tiefling lineages, I think. Um, And I said to Gary, because we're actually starting a new campaign that he's DMing. I'm like, can I do this? And he's like, mm, it's got flying at, at first level. That might be a little uh, <laughs> a little hard to deal with. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Um, but for the most part, uh, I agree. It's a zero session discussion, and you know, what is your what is your impetus for wanting your motivation for wanting to to do this? I mean, I try to. I I rarely place limits. Also, I'm like, you know, here's the source books that we're using, which is pretty much all of them, and. Mm. Just talk to me about what you're thinking of. You know, one thing I tell people is, like, I, I generally say, and this this may be bad, you know, in in the in um, the in inclusivity be arena. Careful, no, no, <laughs> no. I say try not to be a centaur, okay? Only because you're gonna fucking have to wait outside of every goddamn building that people go into, and it's gonna, you know, and some DMs might wanna. Make that in, build that into the story. You know what's and- funny that you say that? I want to get Sharon's take on this. The moment you said sen- a centaur, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to build a city. For centaurs <laughs> only. I want to create a city where they don't allow other people in. Mm-hmm. They just only allow centaurs in. Okay, if that's a major part of your story, then that's Nah, I great. just made it up. I think it'd be fun to <gasps> okay. fuck with people. So, What if I'm- it's an underground city? And like... like They're in all Greek mole mythology- people. Only mole well, people share. Well, no, because, like, hear me out. Because, like, in Greek <laughs> mythology, like, minotaurs, when they stomped the ground, like, the Greeks equated it to, like, them thinking that it was the earthquakes. Like, the earthquakes yeah. are yeah. the minotaurs being angry and stomping. So wouldn't it be cool in D&D if, like, there was an underground minotaur city and, like, the ground is just constantly shaking? And that's when you... And when it gets even like deeper and louder, like that's when you know you're like on top of the city or something. See, my impetus is strictly because, <laughs> like I said, anytime it's close quarters or a tavern or something or a you know a, a passage, like okay, well you can't fit, so you're gonna have to wait outside. Yeah, that Unless gloomy really... old uh, that gloomy old barkeeper. Oi, keep your yeah. fucking whole shit <laughs> yeah. outside yeah, of me, tavern. exactly. I know. Yeah. But no, I also yeah. get the point of view, right? I mean, it can be hard having a, a party like, okay. So my nightmare share and Brian, my nightmare, mm-hmm. this is my nightmare. You'll love this. An entire party of Kenku. That is Yeah. That is legitimate nightmare fuel for me. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. When it, uh, that's the only time that I will, when I feel that it will impede the progress of the, of the game and the story, then that's where, that's where I'll, I'll put limitations. You know, Mm. I don't want to have to constantly split the party because one guy can't fit inside of a door, you know? 
because then you've got the party splitting thing, which sometimes is fun, but most of the time half the group is sitting there waiting for the other half to do their shit, and it can be very boring. So that's the only limitation that I would place uh, on that. But otherwise, I, I totally agree with you with Session Zero. You know, I mean, I just created a, a, a pretty convoluted character, and I talked through it with Gary, and he allowed me to do it, and we'll see how it works. It's probably going to fa- fail miserably, but then I'll work with it in the story, you know? So is a group of Kinku, are they considered a, a murder? Because a flock of ravens, that's what they're called, so... A murder of Kenku? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, because then that means... It's gonna murder your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, wait! Spell. Laura's make Laura's making the announcement. What announcement, guys? Hold on. The shirt. <laughs> that was a really bad joke. Yeah, I thought it was a great joke, but Brian's <laughs> caught up in the fact that I'm sorry, Laura. Just promo, you're promoing yeah. the shirt. Oh. Yeah, Laura. Laura just announced the the shirt and and. Uh, Chat yeah, and thanks, listeners, Laura. I hope you thanks, enjoyed Laura. a really terrible joke. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> um, all Maybe. I can all I can tell you, Cher, is I, the, only I thing on my, the only thing on my shoes is a bunch of Kenku shit. <laughs> <laughs> a flock of Kenku, a murder of Kenku. I, I don't know what I can barely pronounce the name. <laughs> but if there's two at a table, you know, that's good luck, you know right? What that reminds me of. Do you remember in Nemo? <laughs> The, the seagulls, mine, 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 mine. Yeah, That's yeah. what that reminds me of. All right. Oh so God. I got to yeah, show you uh, something really I, I cool think, before we wrap up. Something I think we've really cool. digressed. And it would be- <laughs> I, I want to show, I want to, sh- let, let me, give me one moment. Give me one moment. Give okay. me what? Give me, 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 give me. Sorry, I got distracted. Nah, I get it. It's okay. You missed a terrible joke. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It was terribly <laughs> funny, is what it was. <laughs> so, Ooh. see that? Oh, see that yeah. kind of looks like my guy from the beginning. I that's know what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, I took the image you shared with us, and then I ran it through my AI generator. Shut up. A series of variations, <gasps> and that's what I got at the that's end. Cool. Okay, and, now here I'm going to sound like a real old. Really- Bart, but, but really what quick, is this before, AI generator? Okay, so before we go down there, because I thought this would be a really fun thing to share. Um, so let's talk about this for a moment, because this is what I'm going to use this for. Cruz. Yeah, a group of parrots are a party. <laughs> Crows are a murder. <laughs> They're kind of both. Maybe murder a murder party. party. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you Matt. You. Uh, if, if, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. That was, that was fucking brilliant. hilarious. Exactly what was in my mind as Sharon was telling that joke. It was there. Murder was party. There. But this is basically a primordial earth elemental that's going to be in one of my games. That's no. awesome. Um, and uh, so what mid journey is, it is a discord AI art bot that you join their discord and for your subscriptions, it's totally up to you. You can either use their free method, which lasts for only 25 attempts, or you can parse it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uses copyright free um, elements on the World Wide Web, databases, um, uh, open source artwork. It looks at tens and hundreds of millions of copyright-free and open source stuff 
Here's what it bases it on. It bases it on a simple text type in description that you gave it. So wow. in this case, let me let me tell you what I put in for this one so you have a good idea of what I typed in. One moment. Where is I'm it? just okay. looking at the lighting. And the, and the only reason I ask is because uh, in one of my other groups, um, a couple of people started using this, and I this must be a relatively new thing because now I'm uh, really- it, it's hit. Yeah, it went full stride about two to three weeks ago, and it's been okay. Popular That's why I'm just hearing about it. It is by far the most user friendly and most intuitive version of the AI bots out there when it comes uh-huh. to art. Um, but this is what I wrote. I went and I um, took the URL link of the image that shares shared with us. Mm-hmm. And then I inserted that at the beginning. At the end of it, I weighted it a number three, which tells it to process the request more towards the origination of the of the image, and mm-hmm. to take my descriptions mm-hmm. as lesser weights. Okay. So my oh. main dis- so my main description was a full body character hill giant destroys a large medieval fantasy city with onlookers are running away, comma. Unreal image theme, and then I set my aspect ratio to three by two for photo sizing. Jesus. Yeah, so these people aren't I'm... running away; they're just staring. They're going to get squashed. Yeah, probably, but that's kind of the whole point. So, <laughs> yeah, but the fact that it—the fact that it, she's could you imagine if D and D Beyond had that kind of fucking search algorithm? <laughs> I mean, and that's incredible. It, Basically, I can get up to 200 images per month for 10 yeah. bucks. Wow. For 10? For 10 wow. bucks. And I just, I'm a very low budget creator. Uh, I am very good at writing my narratives and speaking my narratives. I am tone deaf. I am spatially visualization deaf. I don't know the difference between ink, charcoal, and oil painting other than spelling. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't paint a mini to save my ass. Um, if you asked me to build a model, I would say, okay, here's the legs, the chest, the head, the arms there. I built you a model. I don't know how to do any of those things, but what I'm really good at is taking really, really intuitive software and learn how it works. I'm really good at that. Um, so for $10 a month now I can create immersive art to help my players visualize what they're seeing during my narratives. That's really awesome. That's what I'm using it for. I don't necessarily believe that I should then be allowed to take this and try to sell it as unique art. Oh, of course. Yeah, but some people do, right? So this is born out of the NFT world. We're now in this new kind of cultural conversation Mm -hmm. about the professional artists, right? And then the AI bots that are competing with that space. And then somewhere in between is what's going on, right? The space in between now what's interesting is i can take that exact url that exact verbiage and reprocess it it'll look nothing like this it'll look like something totally different so this image that you're seeing can never be (laughs) um give me one moment that is a great idea you know we have to now um Slash imagine. He already um, created nightmare fuel for we our should have ended. We should have ended the show. No, I want to see this now. I want to so see. Slash imagine. Um, oh, no. uh, Kenku. I brought this upon myself. Uh, you did. This is all on you. <laughs> oh, no, I can't do it because they don't allow words like murder. 
Oh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. They they have a limitation on homicide, like death, <laughs> dead, murder, stuff like that. They don't they don't allow it as part of their algorithm. Other personal violence. It goes and it, it'll go and touch websites that may be yeah. banned. Gotcha. So that's okay. why they don't do it. Probably a good thing, but that's fine. Yeah. Although I will show you, so I, I really want to show idea, you this though. one because this one's pretty cool. Um, All right, let's do let's this, do one more. Yeah, one more, and I'll show you how it breaks down the variations so you can get a feel for that. Um, I'm creating a primordial air elemental as well, but I'm giving it more of a feminine figure. Um, so let me chain, let me uh, remove that. Um, let me go to my share screen. Stop screen share. You're right. We need like a production person. This would be so much yeah, easier. I know. Um, we're working on it. Go. Yeah, I know. Right. I'll use my window this time just because it'll be um, a lot easier if I use my window. So yeah, there we go. So um, there we go. Thank you. So That's what I cool. did with this one. Um, I this, love how they do the lighting in this. Mm-hmm. And that was based. So my description for this one, which was a lot of fun to just do the description. Uh, my description for this one was character design, cloud giant, mist, beautiful woman, photorealistic, octane render, unreal engine, hyper detailed, volume lighting with an aspect ratio of 10 by 16. And now what I can do that it created four variations for me. I will then pick one of the variations to do another variant. And then mm-hmm. I can keep going down the rabbit hole of variation. But once again, if you copy paste what I put in, mm-hmm. it'll look nothing like this. It'll look like something else. So That's literally cool. these four panels are unique. It'll never, ever, ever look like this again, other than the origination of those four panels. Really? Very yeah. cool. You know, and it's it's nutty. It's nutty how that works. It, That's it, awesome. Nutty. Very awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lovely torch seer sent a beautiful image. I got it. <laughs> I gotta I gotta send this to you guys. All right, Hold one on. more image share. One and then more. we gotta close this out. It's worth it. It will tie everything okay. together beautifully. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, hold on. Are you putting it in Discord? <laughs> yeah. Gonna put it in Discord right now. It it will be a great finisher to tonight's episode. <laughs> Better is be it a bunch of can, is it a bunch of Kanku murdering an old man? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, one moment, please. Uh, Funny. Okay. I think. What are you doing, Cher? I including mayhem okay it will tie everything together (laughs) hold on all right let me get this up here (laughs) oh my god all right great clothes all right right, torch all right torch here we go where is it I, 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 you know what? I am going to steal. My joke that, has come to life. I'm going to steal that bottom right hand one because that one on the <laughs> left on. looks like a looks like a cardinal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's. Wait, there we go. There it is. <laughs> a murder of crows. Ridiculous. There you go, Matt. Murder of Kenkus. Love it. 
Oh, now, oh, oh. now oh. I can like dogs playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh. Okay. Well, on that wait, wait, note, wait, 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 wait. Because oh, this, this, I know you're going to appreciate. Um, and I really need to show this to you, um, because this is the other end of the spectrum that I think is really interesting okay. on how to use this. Um, uh, window, I prefer windows. Thank Let's you, Torch. That. that was a gem. Ooh. So this is the emblem of the cult known as the murky eye. And once again, that was the AI algorithm that did that. There's no way I could do that on my own. I know I yeah. can't. Yeah. No matter how hard I practice, if I spent countless hours trying to obtain mm -hmm. that level of creativity, I just couldn't do it. That's but awesome. yet I knew how it all worked. And that's why I did that way, because it's the best way for me to be able to find what I was looking for. Well, even as an artist, I, you know, I, if I need something on the fly for one of my campaigns, I, I can't fucking do something yeah. like that in 30 seconds to, to, to show my players. So that tool Great. is really awesome. We'll share that. Uh, uh, share so, that. Uh, what I'd love to do for our, yeah, thank you. Mission accomplished for sure. <laughs> what I'd love to do for our next session. If you guys are okay with that, mm -hmm. while we work on some other projects, mm -hmm. um, I have been in contact with Bandit Camp, and we will be setting something up with that. But what I'd love for each one of us to do for our next one, um, so that we can give Cher a break from her notes next week, I want each of us to go to Kickstarter and pick our favorite Kickstarter, and we'll present it as a topic. Cool. Love it. Because I think that'll really help people understand that it's just not D&D &D sometimes. You favorite know, current Kickstarter. Yeah, current Kickstarter. Correct. Okay. Like, like peruse it. Yeah, pick Love one, it. and let's talk about it next week because it's gonna it, it'll lead us into I think our next series of shows, which are going to be about creators. Yes, um, yeah, you know whether it's software, a person, or however, uh, whether it's Bandit Camp or other mm -hmm. DMs or GMs. I think this will kick off our kind of beginning of that topic of that. Okay. You know, that, that look-see into that world. Love it. Excellent. And yes, right. we are, uh, all right. We will, yes, we will, uh, roll these to close out. I got a new die, my heavy metal copper die. See if oh, that's because it's weighted. Ooh. He must have win three times in a row. 18. <laughs> okay. Well, I dropped one. <laughs> 18. Uh-oh. 18. Ooh. What'd you get? I got a three. All, all right. right. Rollies, roll off. It out. Rollies, Bri. Oh, shit. Now I got an eight. 19. Woo, <laughs> All right, go for it. So what we learned today, everybody, math sucks. <laughs> Characters have to have backstories. And ravens Empathy's are murderous important bastards. As yeah. long as you empathize the way I want you to. <laughs> and a murder of crows is my nightmare fuel. <laughs> Other than that, go. everyone... Be safe. Be uh, one sec. Hold on. Do have one announcement. Uh, we will be taking a break next week. So we, oh, are you? We will, yes. Okay. I'm on vacation next week. Okay. So we will be back in two weeks. Um, but uh, to Jason's point, we are working on having more content creators on and getting into some deeper conversations with other creators. So. I realize before I sign off, share. Share. Where can they find you? You can find me here at Instagram at BarryBot, and you could also catch me on Saturdays at twitch.tv 
slash the D&D Club for the Green Lance campaign. We are live from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time where I play a druid Callistar named Mayra. Yes. And where can we find you? Uh, I'm, I'm here in my office in Chicago. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> uh, Linktree slash RPG and co.com. Best place to find me is Instagram. Same RPG and co.com. And storyteller at the TTRPG Academy. You can find my LinkedIn over there uh, or my Linktree over there. I'm on LinkedIn as well. If you want to go see my 25 years of IT profession. Otherwise, I'm going to sign this off with be safe, be kind, play a game. It's good for your mental health. See y'all in a Thank couple you. weeks. Bye.